Vintage Broadcasting, an old-time production created and produced by your Master of Ceremonies, Frank Goss. Stay tuned to hear various updates from around the world and here in the United States. We will be considering a variety of topics from history, sports, religion, and American politics. The conversations will be free-flowing and filled with Christian conservative views relating to all topics discussed. If you wish to participate, feel free to comment in the broadcast subject line and voice your opinion. Please keep your language controlled and civil as foul language will not be tolerated in any instance, but instead will be deleted immediately. We will not shy away from difficult topics and do not adhere to the socialist communist agenda in any way. We are Americans from the good old days. When men were men and ladies were respected, God was feared and children obeyed. We still believe in truth, justice, and the American way. Again, if you have a topic that you wish to discuss, let us know and we will do our best to address those issues. Thank you, and we appreciate your participation in this broadcast. Episode 17, Internal and External Attack. I'm a student of Scripture, a Christian by the grace of God Almighty. In studying the work of Peter, who has two letters in the body of the New Testament, you will see that initially he addresses the Christian under his care regarding the issue of conflict and various trials. He mentions protection when tested by fire, their need to prepare their minds for action, to be sober and fixed in their hope. There was slander and lies being spread regarding their views. Ridicule and oppression were becoming commonplace. Harsh treatment was being experienced. Why? Because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and had committed themselves to following Him. In 1 Peter, these were external attacks that were being felt by the people within the church. They were suffering for believing differently from the state, and they were suffering for doing right. Peter, seeing what was going on, encouraged them to embrace certain principles and practices, such as prayer, unity, departing from sinful habits and practices, and stop complaining. And know this, do not be surprised if persecution comes, he said. Christ our Lord suffered for doing right, for loving and speaking the truth. Okay, you see what's happening? External pressures and a cancel culture was being implemented. A cultural attack was being enacted and practiced. These things were external in nature. These approaches, though practice, did not seem to be working as the church began to grow. The desired results were not being seen. They were not being disbanded, but they were growing stronger. The goal was to destroy the church and quench the extremely radical ideas that these followers of Jesus were teaching. Now we move on to the second letter Peter wrote, and things had changed. The attacks had gotten inside the church. Now Peter is telling the people to make their calling and election sure. Why? The teachings they were hearing were being perverted. They were beginning to doubt what God had said. Does that sound familiar? Eve and the serpent, has God really said? You remember that? People were coming in with clever ideas about salvation and sanctification. They were perverting the teachings of Christ by applying their ideas and opinions. They were offering personal interpretations and predictions that caused the people to fear and doubt. Sex and greed were being promoted. Corrupt desires were being encouraged. Peter combated these things with the truth. He brought them back to remembering what they knew to be fact. At one point, he says, Do not let this one fact escape your notice. As Christians, we who believe have fundamental weapons that we must master. And Peter goes back to these weapons. We have the truth. Do not forget, we have one another also. The saints which make up the community of the true church. And first and foremost, we have Christ Jesus and the Spirit of God living within us. 
Peter's final charge was this. Be on guard so that you're not carried away with the error of the unprincipled men and fall from your steadfastness. Grow in the grace of God. Hold to the truth. Grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and to Him be glory and honor both now and forevermore. So you see the internal attack and the external attack are two totally different things. They're both attacks. But one from the outside causes a greater unity among the people. The one from the inside brings a disunity and doubt and confusion. It's been written, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedom, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. The destruction will come from within. External attacks historically have caused decent people to rally and grow more unified in a cause. Bringing doubt and confusion has been a well-practiced art of war for centuries. And in scripture, it is a well-used tool of Satan, so much so that he is called the author of confusion. Today, what is being promoted was brought to the nation's attention 12 years ago under Barack Obama. The issue is called critical theory, and it's a very destructive ideology that was developed in the 20s in Frankfurt, Germany, and pushed and promoted by a gentleman named Herbert Marcuse, a German-American philosopher, and John Dewey, the father of modern American education. Critical race is a subset of critical theory, which in turn is a central element in cultural Marxism. Like the bulk of that hideous ideology, it, like the bulk of that hideous ideology, Marxism, it was created by the Frankfurt School, formerly the Institute of Social Research, a Marxist think tank founded in Frankfurt, Germany in 1923. Many feel this was part of Martin Luther King's civil rights efforts, but this is far, far from the truth and should not be confused. It's a typical misrepresentation that the Marxist Democrats employ in trying to sell this theory to the public. The truth is that Martin Luther King and his advisors explicitly rejected they promoted racial equality not racial equity. The civil rights movement under Dr. King was not against things as much as they were for something. They were for equal rights, fundamental rights, and respect for all people without regard to their ethnic group or religion or the color of their skin. They held the dignity of humanity and religion, belief in God and country. Critical theory was developed as a psychological weapon to create racist attitudes and to exacerbate tensions among various groups within a society, particularly a capitalist society, and particularly the attitudes of the West. Using these issues incited inflammatory accusations and created great divisions. Critical theory pits the oppressed against the oppressor. The oppressor is always the person in power with money, position, and privilege. Applied to the races, it becomes critical race theory, which says that in America, the Caucasian race, white people, have always been the privileged oppressors, going as far back in history as you can imagine. This is an organic fixed issue. It is an inherent trait that has become ingrained in society. It does not matter if you have never had a racist thought, if you've never uttered a racist comment, or ever said a racist word. If you are white, you are racist by birth. Your skin color, your lack of melanin, causes you to feel superior and elevated above people of color. The Constitution of the United States, therefore, is a racist document incapable of allowing for the change required to create a more equal world. Why? Because it was written by the white man. The oppressors will continue to oppress the oppressed. Why? because of their inherent sense of superiority and how it has been enshrined within the body of our founding documents. The United States, they tell us, is a racist nation built on racist principles. Critical theory, critical race theory, social justice, they're all underwritten by this ideology 
coupled with Antonio Gramsci's ideas of cultural Marxism. These principles have serious ramifications. First, they suggest that legal rules that stand for equal treatment under the law, i.e. the 14th Amendment, can remedy only the most blatant forms of discrimination. The system is too corrupted, too based on the notion of white supremacy for equal protection under the law to ever become a reality. The system must be made unequal in order to compensate for the innate racism of the white majority. These principles suggest that even measures are taken to alleviate unequal protection under the law. For an example, the Supreme Court decision in Brown versus Board of Education, where this was taken for nefarious purposes to serve white interests. This is exactly what Derrick Bell, the creator of critical race theory, he said that Brown had only been decided to prevent the Soviet Union from using American racial inequality as a public relations baton to wield against the white majority found in the United States. So here's what we're left with, in simple terms. Racism cannot be ended within the current system. The current system is both a byproduct of and a continuing excuse for inherent racism. Minority opinions on the system are more relevant than white opinions, since whites have long enjoyed the control of the system and have an interest in maintaining it. This is a deeply disturbing theory. It is damaging both to race relations and the legal and constitutional order which has been established for 250 years in the United States of America. As Jeffrey Powell rightly sums up in the Boston College Law Review, he says, Critical race theorists attack the very foundations of the classical liberal legal order, including equality theory, legal reasoning, enlightenment, rationalism, and neutral principles of constitutional law. These liberal values, they allege, have no enduring basis in principles, but are merely social constructs calculated to, legitimate, to legitimate white supremacy. The rule of law, according to critical race theorists, is a false promise of a principled government, and they have lost patience with false promises. Hence, we have the riots of this past summer. Enter Marxist socialism. Enter progressive ideology, the cloak of the neo-Marxist. Eric Holder, a federal, Eric Holder, a fellow cultural Marxist, along with Obama, refused to apply the law equally because to do so would be to enhance racism. When President Obama said he wanted fundamental change, he meant to the deepest levels of society. These ideas are the ideas animating Black Lives Matter, which is embraced by the Biden administration. Cultural Marxism is being forced on the American public, and this will lead directly to socialism, which is a softer term for Marxist communism. Critical theory, with all of its tributaries, was outlawed by President Trump. He saw the true dangers it promoted and the division it creates. He did not allow it to be taught to any of the federal government employees. It places groups in blocks for separate consideration. We're separating society by the color of their skin. We're now being judged strictly based on our skin color, not on our ability or merits. The aim and the intent of the Fabian Socialist Society, the Frankfurt School, Gramscyism, Marxism, they have not changed with time. Their approach has been the same. However, it is slow and steady and intentional. Obama was the principal instigator that introduced this to the United States during his tenure in the White House. Trump interrupted the design of the Marxist, the globalist, 
They beat on him and belittled him, creating chaos and division for more than four years. Yet he still proved himself. He still changed the nation in ways that could not be denied. They sought to exhaust the emotions of the nation. They tried accusations of Trump being a Russian agent, then impeachment. Then when this failed, COVID-19. And finally, they saw that the American people loved this man and his ideas. Surely, if we berate him enough and discourage the people with false numbers regarding the coming election, he would lose and be gone. He won the election by a landslide. They saw what was happening on the evening of November 3rd, 2020. They thought they were prepared in every way, but again, they were caught off guard. Trump was overwhelming the polls. They had done all they could through big tech, manipulating information and deceiving the people, withholding critical information. They had made the media preach lies daily, constantly berating the man. This was Solomonsky and Gramsci principles all enacted. Obama was a good student. The media continually misrepresented it. The media continually misrepresented predictions in order to discourage all Trump voters. But nothing worked. Nothing. They made the call to blatantly steal the election in the face of the nation. We're nothing more than a pack of fools that can be manipulated and silenced. If you recall, it was Obama's man, Jonathan Gruber, the architect of Obamacare, who said Obamacare only passed due to the stupidity of the American voter and the Democrats' lack of transparency. This is what Biden and Harris are now depending on, the stupidity of the American voter. They are counting the huge numbers of voters who just got their voices silenced to be dutifully silent and quiet. They are to bend over and take it. And you know what? I hate to say it, but if we allow this to happen and play the part of a victim, we deserve it. We now have the first truly illegitimate Marxist socialist president sitting in the White House, ruling by fiat, signing executive orders, and bypassing Congress. We're now essentially under an American dictatorial system. This is not what we elected. This is not what we want. This is not our nation. We're being led by thieves, liars, and thugs, and being led towards Marxism at a very, very rapid pace. It has been a long way coming, but my friends, if we do not aggressively stand with truth, we will implode as a nation. Truth. Stand for it under any circumstance. Thank you for listening to Vintage Broadcasting Series Number 1, The Great Reset. We hope this helps you stay informed and up to date with the understanding of why our nation is in decline and how this is being accomplished. The ultimate goal is to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ and to explain how he has made a way for us to be freed from sin and its consequences and to give to us eternal life. We do appreciate your participation and you are invited to continue with us as we consider these things. Thank you very much.